It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios. In Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show, she's being brought to you in a part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or feel free. Give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television channel. That's right. You can now check uh, uh, out our uh, channel, which is uh, on all the major streaming services, uh, not only do you get to watch replays of this show, but uh, also all of our special events uh, for the past 15 years. Check it out if you haven't already. All the information can be found at GinecoUSA.com. G-I-N-I-K-O-USA.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Uh, check it out. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Title Bout banner. Download yourself a copy uh, right now. It's a simulation game. You could put today's champions against yesterday's champions. It's a great, uh, great game. It's not uh, uh, a video-oriented uh, game, although there is video, but uh, uh, it, it's really fun to put up, you know, a guy like Muhammad Ali against Klitschko or, or against Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury. Uh, check it out. Uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by... Canelo Alvarez against Sergi Kovalev. Uh, get yourself some tickets if you want to be in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand uh, for when Canelo tries to be the fourth Mexican fighter to uh, achieve four different uh, world titles in four different weight classes against uh, uh, ranked number one in the world by the computer, Sergi Kovalev, for Kovalev's uh, world uh, light heavyweight title. Uh, check it out. If you can't be ringside, don't worry about it. Make sure you sign up for the zone. Uh, it's 20 bucks a month, and they got all the best fights. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, click on the fight banner, which you'll see on the right-hand side. All right. Um, programming note, we will not uh, be doing a live show uh, for uh, next week or the week after, um, but we will return uh, the week after the uh, – uh, Canelo Kovalev fight to give you our post-fight thoughts, uh, so it'll be a good chance for you to catch up on some of our, our uh, uh, shows that you might have missed for all our radio affiliates. They will have content for you, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Before we get started today, 
uh, our condolences, thoughts, and prayers go out to uh, uh, the family and friends of Patrick Day. Uh, if you recall, uh, Patrick Day uh, suffered a, a, a brain injury and ultimately uh, succumbed to it on Wednesday. Um, so uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Patrick Day. It's a sad reminder of uh, the risks that every fighter takes when they step into the ring. Uh, no question about that uh, at all. So anyway, uh, first thing I want to talk about is the uh, great light heavyweight fight um, that uh, uh, we witnessed on uh, Friday night. Uh, you know, Atur uh, Beaterbeef uh, knocked out um, o- Alexander uh, Vodzik. Uh, in the 10th round, um, in what I thought was one of the most exciting fights of the year. I, I, I loved it, you know. Uh, my man, uh, Iceman Scully, John Scully, uh, told me uh, a while ago, it has to be, uh, he's been, must have been working with Peter Beef now for at least two years, told me he was one of the hardest punching guys uh, that he's ever worked with. And uh, he certainly showed it uh, in this fight. It was an action-packed fight. Uh, Vodzik uh, was trying to use his boxing skill, which he clearly uh, had an advantage over, but uh, Bita Beef wouldn't, wouldn't take that. Uh, just kept cutting the ring off and uh, working the body of Vodzik, which uh, seemed to, to hurt him. Uh, he was also, uh, Vodzik was having trouble with distance. You heard Teddy Atlas telling him uh, that in the corner. Um, I, I tell you, Bita Beef just, just broke him down and then ultimately knocked him out. The official time was two minutes and 49 seconds of the 10th round. He had been down three times in that round, and uh, a combination of taking a beating up to that point and uh, running out of gas, uh, I think, uh, all added it. The one thing that was interesting to me was that at the time of the stoppage, two to three, refer- uh, two to three judges had the fight in Vodzik's favor. I-, I-, I can't see it. I you know, uh, one judge had it 87-84 um, for Vodzik. The other one had it um, 86-85 for Vodzik. And then uh, the third judge had it 87-83 for uh, Beater Beef. That's the way I, I saw it. Uh, I thought that um, Beater Beef was clearly uh, winning the fight, landing the, the harder punches. Um, I, you know, again, I, I don't like to go with the punch stats. Uh, but uh, but he was throwing less punches but landing more. His percentage was, uh, according to the people tracking it, his percentage was higher. Um, you know, I, it, it goes back to what we're always saying. I mean, when you score in a fight, what would you rather see? Volume of punches, you know, pitter-pat, pitter-pat, or, or you know, uh, maybe half the, the punches thrown but, but substantial power. I, I guess it's all uh, in, the, uh, in the matter of... Uh, you know, how a judge prioritizes um, their scorecards, which I think is half the problem with the scoring. I think we need to prioritize it and make it part of the criteria, not just the criteria that everyone uh, knows and follows. But uh, uh, I was shocked to see that, that he was uh, behind. I I thought he was winning the fight. I thought it was close in the beginning, but, you know, from like the fourth round on, even maybe even stretch it to the fifth, uh, I thought Peter Beef was taking over the fight. It certainly seemed that way, uh, the way Teddy Atlas was was speaking with him uh, in the corner. And it was also interesting. Normally, I, I you know I, I listen to the corners. 
but uh, but both corners were saying the same thing to their fighter to take advantage of. In other words, uh, Teddy Atlas was telling Vodzik, hey, you're throwing the jab too close. You're, you're right in the spot for a counter. Make sure you don't throw your punches when you're in too close. You know, work your distance. And then uh, B2B's uh, corner was saying, listen, you know he's in there tight. You know he's open for the for the counter punch. You know so it it was pretty uh pretty cool to see that they both saw the same thing. One was encouraging his fighter because they wanted to take advantage of the mistake, whereas the other one was telling their fighter, you know, hey, listen, you know, be careful. You know, um, one other thing I want to point out about that fight was that I thought it was extremely funny how Timothy Bradley and Dre. You, you know Dre, right? You know I, you might know him as Andre Ward, but now he's Dre. He's just Dre. When 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 you're dealing with an ESPN boxing broadcast, it's it's Dre, Dre, Dre. Not not the rapper, just just Dre. Like as in Andre Ward, Andre Dre. Um, both of these guys, you know, they were both giving credit during this fight to both Peter Beev and Vodzik for fighting each other. And they were citing things like, oh, they both, you know, uh, under 20 fights and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and the thing is, is that they were accurate. And they were also accurate. I'm talking about Timothy Bradley and, and Dre. Uh, they were both accurate with the fact that, you know, both fighters um, not only were seeking uh, their own uh, uh, legacies, so to speak, but they also were trying to prove that they were the best and they wanted to fight the best fighters. And they went on to say how some of these uh, Ukrainian and, and Russian fighters always seek out the best. And, you know, they, they both said a couple of times, oh, they, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're risking. They're, I give them credit for fighting risky fights, you know. And even Andre Ward at one point said, I'm sorry, Dre Ward at one point said, you know, a lot of fighters now try to just cement their legacy and, and play it safe uh, to a world title. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. You know, since when do we accept that? You know, that's the problem. I was talking to Sal. We're going to get Sal Rocky Senecola on the phone here in a minute. But I was talking to him off air yesterday. And I was saying to him, you know, since when do we give credit to fighters um, for playing it safe and, and getting a title and still... Uh, have them in a position to create a legacy to begin with. And I blame that on us, the fans, uh, not the old fans like me, but some of you young fans out there that are actually accepting the fact that young fighters basically take the easiest road to a title. Don't we uh, have to make them fight the tougher fights? Why do we have to be so surprised when young fighters like Peter Beeve and Vodzik actually fight each other so early on. It, the, the problem I'm having is that they're being, that people are accepting it, that fans are accepting the fact uh, that, uh, that this is taking place. You know, uh, that's where uh, I have a, a, an issue with it. You know, um, you know I, I just, I feel that, uh, you know, that we should... Uh, uh, you know, have these fighters actually fight, um, you know, uh, the real fights. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't get it, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't get the fact that, um, you know, uh, the fan has accepted it. You know, I mean, really the only way to prove that you're the best is actually uh, to fight the best or at least fight fights, 
you know, real fights. I, I was just shocked at, at the commentary uh, for that. But uh, great fight. Peter Beave uh, stops Vodzik in the 10th round. Joining us right now to get his thoughts uh, is my man Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Everything's coming out great, and I'm feeling strong. That's my man. That's my man. I knew you would. Uh, what Did you get a chance to, uh, I know we talked yesterday, uh, the Beaver to Beave uh, Vodzik fight. Uh, what would you think? Oh, I thought it was a great fight. Um, I, I had, I think Vodzik had his moments. And, you know, it looked like he was a little bigger on some level. But uh, he um, definitely didn't have that wheelhouse kind of momentum of throwing those combinations tight and compact like uh, like Beaver did. And with that being said, Beaver Beef uh, ultimately was a stronger, more tenacious fighter. What did you see in uh, in the fight? Did you notice anything? Um, did you see? I, I thought that Beaver Beef, uh, you know, his aggressiveness clearly wore, wore down Vodzik. And Vodzik had the better boxing ability, but uh, but he just couldn't he just couldn't utilize it to keep this kid off him. No, and what you said is exactly what I witnessed and what I what I feel. Uh, Godzik was uh, was constantly making the fight happen, taking the fight to uh, to beat a beat at times. He had his moments, but he he couldn't sustain a level of that intensity and, and that, that desire. So I think, you know, Peter B was smart, did his time, and uh, towards the end, you know, it was just like, okay, an uphill battle for Gothnik, and uh, Peter B went on clearly to, to win by stoppage in, in that 10th round. You know, you and I talked yesterday, uh, and, and I was telling you, and I just was talking about it here on the show, that uh, it's, it's kind of depressing to me to hear uh you know guys like Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley giving uh kudos to both of these fighters for fighting each other such early you know so, so early on in their careers their pro careers they both had extensive amateur careers and I, I I agree but it got me thinking about how the fan base specifically the you know newer fans have accepted the fact that other fighters take uh, the the uh, you know non risk road to a title opportunity, um, and to me, you know taking risks and fighting the tough fights is really what what boxing's all about. What's your thoughts on you know uh, these comments that both of these guys made, and the sad fact that there are fans out there that accept uh, fighters taking an easier road? Well, I'll tell you, we we've had a trouble streaming of late and uh i actually listened to the um the uh, ukrainian announcers <laughs> and uh kind of what i like about that is i i don't get influenced by the commentary and uh so i didn't hear what the side said i just uh listened to a lot of ukrainian language Hey, were you surprised, because I certainly was, that two of the three judges had Vodzik substantially ahead? Well, one had him ahead by one point, 
But uh, one of the judge had him ahead, 87-84 at the time of the stoppage. I had it the other way around. I, I, I thought that Peter B took over that fight and was wearing Vodzik down. I saw the writing on the wall. Were you surprised to see that uh, two of the three judges actually had Vodzik ahead? I was very surprised. and I, I thought maybe Adeline Bird had, was uh, connected to the fight. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I was surprised because, like you said, you know, the, the, there was a good ebb and flow. Gosnick was, was in the fight, uh, especially through the through the middle of the fight. And then uh, just seeing Beater Beef started getting the punches in the wheelhouse and, and, and really connecting and hurting Gosnick. And uh, so I was surprised, you know, by the, the judges' score. And that, uh, you know, it's sure it's a matter of opinion, but, I, I mean, we're talking about, professionals that uh that take this by round by round and um i didn't see it the way they did i saw it the way you saw it well uh auteur beater beef and uh you know he picked up both titles it was unification unification fight he's now the wbc and ibf world light heavyweight champion and uh in a couple of weeks we're going to see uh canelo challenge oh. uh sergey kovalev for kovalev's wbo world light heavyweight title and uh ironically enough at least as of this morning uh the computers rank Sergey kovalev as the number one light heavyweight in the world sal i i, I know you've become a, a big canelo fan over over the last year um what's your thoughts on this fight i i, I you know we're we're want to try and give it a uh, a breakdown and uh, get your predictions i mean how do you see the fight going and what does each fighter need to do to win all right well of course um, Kovalev needs to just stay away from um, uh, Canelo and outbox him, counter him, and protect his belly. Uh, but that he can only do for a few rounds. And I'm going to tell you this. My prediction is the fight doesn't go past six rounds. I think we've all watched Canelo Alvarez evolve into a freaking beast and monster. And what I mean by that, he's got an arsenal and an armor around his body that he could take punishment. He could definitely dish it out. And I think Kovalev, you know, in all due respect, he had his day. He had his moment. But, you know, muscle memory. He realizes what it is to be hurt. And he realizes what it is to be stopped. And, you know, those, those memories, you could somewhat always welcome them. Not welcome them, but... Uh, you could always find yourself in familiar territory that you could relinquish or relent a little bit easier if you're hurt. And I think that's going to be the case with Kovalev. I think he'll have his moments in the early round, but I think uh, as we watched evolve, that Canelo Alvarez is an ultimate fighter right now. He, he is a beast. And I'll see him stopping Kovalev. He'll hurt, he'll knock down, he'll knock out Kovalev if the referee doesn't stop it. But I don't see it going past six to seven rounds. Now you, but I could be wrong. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned, well, that's the beauty of boxing, Sal. You mentioned uh, a, a specific word, and I'm going to call you out on it right now live. Uh, you think uh, Sergey Kovalev has a yellow streak in him, don't you? I think it's not so much a yellow streak, because I, I, I surely don't really believe he got a yellow streak, but I know... You know, the old muscle memory. When you're in a familiar territory, 
sometimes if you don't have the fight to go on and surpass it, it's easier for you to relinquish and and feel the familiarity of a spot you've been before. And like I said, Canelo hasn't been in that spot. The only thing, and, and believe me, I still believe in my heart of hearts that Triple G won both of those fights against Canelo. But that's his evolution into uh, the warrior he is. And I see that mentality in Canelo Alvarez overtaking the uh, the familiarity that Kovalev may remember when he gets tagged by Canelo. Well, you know, uh, Canelo hasn't demonstrated the same knockout power as he's moved up in weight. Uh, the last uh, times he was really, you know, demonstrating that, although he did knock out Rocky Fielding, he, he you know, his power um, was more prevalent, you know, in the junior middleweight class. You know, now he's, he's fighting 175-pounder. I think another fight that, that sticks out for me is the Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight. Now, Chavez has a granite chin, uh, but was a bigger fighter. And again, Canelo went the distance. So, I, you know, I, I think it's a matter of if Canelo can work the body of Kovalev. If so, um, Canelo should win the fight. If he can't get in that close, Sal, it's going to be a long night for Canelo. Oh, yeah. It could, it could be. It could be. And believe me, Kovalev could make me eat crow. And, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say, well, hey, damn, I guess I had that one wrong. But, uh, you know, I just, I just, maybe I'm too much high on Canelo. But as you and I have criticized him through the years, he's evolved to be a complete fighter. I really feel that he, uh, he's one of the best out there today. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with that. He's clearly, uh, clearly in, in, you know, as one of the top uh, pound for pound fighters. There's no question about it. But uh, uh, Sal, I appreciate your thoughts, and uh, we'll be looking forward to you next time, my friend. Well, thank you, my friend, and I appreciate having the opportunity to share my thoughts with the fans and yourself. Thank you very much, guys. Everybody, God bless. Take care. All right, brother. I'll talk to you during the week. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, that's Sal Rocky Senecola giving us his thoughts. A couple other quick things I wanted to go over real quick before we take uh, uh, a short break and uh, schedule to get Dax on. Um, Errol Spence, we talked about his uh, uh, crash a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, uh, he's doing okay, uh, but uh, it's been official. Dax had mentioned uh, last week that uh, there were reports out that he was driving uh, while under the influence. Well, he was officially charged uh, with a DWI, um, as his alcohol content uh, was uh, falling into the DWI uh, category, um, you know, this is, uh, um, uh, you know, what bothers me about this is that Errol Spence, you know, he's got all his talent, and he's seemingly making some similar mistakes that others have. Uh, he was a, a a guy that was on the way, but but here's the thing: just before it was officially announced by the police that they were charging him, he came out with uh, uh, a statement on social media uh, that said, "Hey, no broken bones, I'm a savage." Uh, and then as soon as they charged him with DWI, it was advised that he he take that off. 
Um, the glorification of people doing these kinds of things is the sad part. You know, accidents will happen, and not only will people uh, be under the influence or, or something like that, it could be totally the opposite. Someone else could have been under the influence and hit uh, him going home. But anytime you hear a superstar athlete doing something at 3 in the morning, chances are you're not going to hear good news about it. And speaking of uh, charges, it was made official also earlier this week that uh, Artis Mack, who's the brother of uh, Clarissa Shields, has officially been charged with assault with the intent to do great bodily harm, uh, which is uh, uh, slightly less than murder, according to uh, f um, the uh, Flint, Michigan uh, police. But uh, uh, he has been charged and uh, is under uh, uh, arrest uh, right now for the assault on 68-year-old uh, Bashir Ali James. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. Um, that is uh, one of the sad uh, parts uh, of boxing when, um, you know, acts like this are, are glorified. And I think that, uh, in a sense, they were. And, and shortly after that, uh, we got the uh, message that uh, Clarissa Shields won Woman of the uh, Boxing, Female Boxing uh, of the Year, Woman Boxer of the Year Award. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before I take a break, a couple of uh, uh, news tidbits here for you. Um, it was announced that uh, Terrence Crawford uh, will be fighting on December 14th uh, against uh, his mandatory title challenger, um, Mean Machine Kavalouskis, uh at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, I've been saying this all along. Terrence Crawford has been loyal to, to Top Rank and Bob Arum, uh, but Terrence Crawford should be a household name. Terrence Crawford, pound for pound, uh, number one in the world, at least tied, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, being number one in the world. Uh, this is a talented, extremely talented uh, fighter. I have him tied with uh, Vasily Lomachenko, and then I have Canelo uh, sitting at number two uh, by himself. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that Top Rank or Bob Arum is doing Terrence Crawford any favors. Um, I mean, listen, no disrespect to Kavaluskas, but, and I'm probably murdering his name, uh, and I understand that it is a mandatory, but there are so many bigger fights for Terrence Crawford. And this is a guy that's not afraid to fight anybody. Remember, he started his career as the B-side and uh, finally earned and, and fought his way uh, to being an A-side fighter. I just think that greed on Bob Arum and Top Rank's uh, part is keeping Crawford away from these big, big money fights. This guy deserves a big money fight. I don't think he's made more than, I don't think he's made five million yet for a fight. And, uh, you know, he should be in the in the discussions to fight an Errol Spence or, or another big name uh, fighter. I know they're trying to hold him, hold out and, and uh, have him fight uh, Manny Pacquiao, but, you know, Manny Pacquiao uh, is not... Uh, uh, a fighter that should be fighting Terrence Crawford. You know, uh, I think, to be honest with you, I think that uh, Manny Pacquiao's only opponent uh, should be a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. Other than that, I, I think that he should retire. He's got nothing else uh, left to prove. But uh, I I'm a little disappointed 
and uh, in the team around uh, Terrence Crawford. Uh, the, the guy deserves a, a big money fight, in my opinion, and I know he would uh, fight anybody they put in front of him. Uh, one other thing I'm going to mention, and we'll take a short break, is, um, you know, I, there was a, a, a purse bid uh, for the uh, heavyweight European title, and uh, Marco Huck um, is going to be taking on Joe Joyce, um, and, you know, this fight, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be, but uh, um, it, it, I don't know what I think about this fight. Uh, it is going to, uh, um, you know, the, the European heavyweight title is fight vacant, so it, it is going to be for that. Uh, Marco Captain Huck, as you hopefully recall, he was a dominating force in the cruiserweight division, did move up to heavyweight. Joe Joyce is a young, powerful fighter. Uh, I like the fact that, uh, they are fighting each other, but it kind of flew under the radar. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, uh, with that. And uh, another uh, thing I wanted to point out is in terms of European boxing, uh, Martin Murray, remember him? He's the mandatory. He's been named the uh, mandatory uh, for the European middleweight champ, uh, Matteo Siganali. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. Um, Siganali's uh, 40 years old, and uh, uh, Martin Murray... Um, is uh, uh, around that age as well. So we'll see what happens uh, uh, in that fight. It looks like it'll take place uh, in Italy. So anyway, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us. Don't go nowhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could be with us and uh don't forget uh show up uh uh and to the canelo kovalev fight in las vegas if you can't uh, go out there make sure you order uh the the zone for 20 bucks a month all the big fights and uh canelo's going to try and uh, capture his fourth world title in four different weight classes uh to be the fourth uh mexican to do so but right now, we're going to talk about another uh, light heavyweight fight that I thought was fantastic. Joining us right now uh, is my man, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Yeah, good morning, Billy C. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well on this early Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, it, the funny thing is we're going to start talking about it. It's cold. It's snowing here. It's snowing there, you know. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, that's coming quick. This year flew by, really, if you think about it. But uh what a that's great! Because we're, that's because we're getting old, Bill. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm older <laughs> than you. I'm glad you're you're yeah, uh, you're but, seeing but it. The older we get, the faster these years go by. That's <laughs> that's what I hear. That's what I hear. That's scary because they're going to be like a light switch for me. But a uh, uh, beater beef uh, knocked out uh, uh, Alexander uh, Vodzik uh, on ESPN the other night, and I thought it was a fantastic show. And uh, what did you think of the fight? It was a fantastic fight. Um, it lived up to expectations, in my opinion. You know, we've seen B2B 
do exactly what he does. You know, he comes forward, he's relentless with his pressure, he breaks his man down until they will. You know, um, by exactly what he does, I know a lot of people be like, well, of course he does what he does. Um, means that, you know, B to B, you know, most guys, when you're fighting, when two opponents at that elite level are fighting each other, at least one of them has to, you know, change their um, game plan a little bit. Either they got to be a little more defensive-minded or they have to pick up their work output or they have to uh, be on their toes a little more. B2BF is able to just go out there and never change his game plan because he's just so strong. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Did you catch in that fight? You know, B2BF has some really subtle uh, defensive moves. A lot of times you would see in there when um, – Vodzik was throwing his run. Peter Biab would pull back just a little bit and counter. I never noticed that in Peter Biab before. Yeah, I. you know, it's funny you say that. He didn't do it until, like, the second half of the fight, but he had some pretty cool head movement. Um, not only was his head movement, but it was kind of like his upper body where his feet were planted, but he was able to move back and forth with from his waist up, which I thought was uh, was making it difficult for Vodzik to connect uh, connect punches. I I thought B2B took over that fight after the fourth round. I, I had I was shocked to see two of the three judges. I know I got some uh, uh, you know having Vodzik ahead. I know I got some people in the chat room that disagree. They think that Vodzik was winning the fight. What what was your thoughts? A lot of people had Vodzik ahead, um, surprisingly, and um, I didn't think he was really ahead. I thought it was very close. Um, again, you you stated earlier, what do you prefer? Do you prefer Valiant punching or do you prefer those hard punches? There, you know, there were times where Vodzik was doing some really good work, but because of how strong Peter Biev is, and we've seen this with other opponents. His defense, his offense, rather, at times, is his defense because guys become hesitant to let their hands go. And that's what you've seen with Vazic. He hesitated to let his hands go. There were some times when he landed some solid combinations. You mentioned uh, B2BF when he started using his body movement in the second half of the fight. I think it was round six when uh, Vazic really landed a good straight right. That that kind of, you know, that uh, stunned B2BF a little bit. And that's when we've seen him moving around you know, with his upper body and showing that, that defense. So, you know, it, 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 it was um, a great fight. Um Biev, in my opinion, Bill, at 175 pounds is the man. I don't know who can really debate that. He's got uh, two of the major titles. I still say Dimitri Bivol is the most skilled fighter at 175 pounds, but I just can't see him beating Arthur Biev off that back foot. And the Bob Arum quote after the fight, what did you think of that? Or did you hear the Bob Arum uh, quote after the fight? I know that uh, I think it was Michael Woods that interviewed him that uh, got this quote. I think it was Michael Woods. I did not hear. What did, what did he say now? All right. So he was asked, you know, after tonight, do you think it's a shame that Kovalev's fighting Canelo next rather than Peter Biev in the unification bout? And so Aaron replied, it would be it would have been selfish of me to say he should have made himself available to get the shit kicked out of him by Peter Biev. Is that what is that what he said? You know, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's the, what it is reply. <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, I, I just was mentioning about Aram. And what he, what I feel he's doing to Terence Crawford, you know, it's funny how he always criticizes uh, or, or you know, gets a, a couple of jabs here and there. But the truth of the matter is, is Terence Crawford, and, and I'm not taking anything away from from the light heavyweights, and and I agree with you, Bivol seems to be the guy. I just he's, I think he's too small for for B to B. I, I really do, you know. I, I think he's in the wrong weight class, but that's another story. Um, I just think that Bob Arum needs to 
needs to step it up with Terence Crawford. Crawford deserves a, a big money fight, not this this next fight that he's been uh, that he's assigned in December. Well, I agree, and it's actually hurting Terence Crawford's marketability because what I'm starting to see is a lot of fans that were big Terence Crawford fans and would have at no point in time said he was anything less than number two on the pound for pound list are starting, you know, to complain about, you know, who's he really fighting? You know, he's not fighting these top names out there. And then when you're comparing the other guys in the welterweight division, the other top names in the welterweight division, they are fighting each other. And Terrence Crawford is fighting guys like Amir Khan or his next opponent. So Bob Arum is really hurting Terrence Crawford all around. I, and right, he should be a household name by now. Right, and 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 you know he's making money, but I think he's not giving Terence Crawford the opportunity to make that huge money, which I think he deserves. But uh, um, yeah, anyway, especially because you know Ter um, Errol Spence has been in uh, two pay per views now. That's my point. You know, though, I mean, those two guys should be, uh, already be on a collision course, and and they both avoid each other's name in any kind of a discussion. But. Uh, <laughs> Terrence Crawford did tell uh, Errol Spence to take off the panties and let's make a fight. Yeah, but you know, uh, <laughs> and then and then what? Uh, Errol Spence is who's he fighting? Daniel, uh, uh, Danny um, Garcia. Garcia next, right? So yeah, so man, it, it's boxing. You know, they're marinating it. Yeah. Oh God. Hey, listen. Let's get back to B two B Vodzik real quick. Um, you know, I I couldn't help but listen to uh, both Timothy Bradley and Dre. You know, Andre. Uh, talk about how much credit they were giving these guys for fighting each other, which I agree. Uh, but what bothered me was that it's almost like they've accepted and, and a lot of fans have accepted that other fighters choose to take a safe, you know, non-risky route to a title. And it, it scares me that so many people think that's okay. What's your thoughts? Well, Again, that's something that a lot of people had noted too. Uh, these crazy scorecards by them, you know, Timothy Bradley. One minute he's talking about, you know, the good work that Vazic is doing, and then the very next minute he's talking about how dominant Peter Biev is. Andre Ward is doing the same thing. It's uh, more or less, I think, that the two of them, because if you've listened to them in the past, they've done better jobs. I think that sometimes both Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley feel a little bit pressured, you know, to say what the network and the promoter more or less wants them to say. Well, I We've think seen that with a lot of people, we've seen that with our man, Larry Hazard, Larry Hazard gets a lot of the same criticism. I think that, uh, Vodzik was going to win this fight on the scorecard. Should he made it to the final bell? Because uh, the, the judges were, were going that way. I, you know, people that are disagreeing with me, uh, I think that uh, Peter Reeve was winning the fight. And the people that disagree with me, all they have to do is listen to the corners. Now, sometimes the corners are a bunch of rah-rah men, and sometimes you, you're getting, you know, good instruction. I think that the, the messages that both corners were doing was, was explaining and basically showing where the fight was. Teddy Atlas kept telling Vodzik, you're, you're in too close. You're throwing your jab. You're too close. You're getting hit with the, the counterpunch. So in a sense, he's trying to make a correction to avoid Vodzik from getting punched. And then over in the other corner, they're saying he's he's coming into you too close. He's open for the counter. He's right there. Let your, let your right go. You know, and, and and that was the dictation of that fight. I thought that that, that they were bo both corners were accurate 
in what they were what they were saying to their fighters. What do you think? Yes, I, um, you know, Teddy Atlas and Mark Ramsey are both um, no nonsense guys, and they make you know uh, great adjustments with their fighters. Teddy Atlas, one of the beauty parts about him is when he does need to make a rah rah speech to get his man going, he does. But you know, the task that was going on in front of him was one of those where you just have to stay completely focused at all times. That's how dangerous BWF is. He's not one of those things where you can just pump your man up and have him go out there and look for that knockout. So, um, you know, both of them, they both did, you know, a great corner. And you bring up a valid point. You know, a lot of times when it's a good corner, when you listen to that corner, that corner is telling you the story of the fight. Exactly. And that, that's what I was, that, you know, that was my point. Uh, both corners or, were telling you the story, and, and or, which with the same fight I was watching, they were talking about, you know. Or or even even more so is when, in certain networks, especially uh, the zone, when they, um, they're trying to get those in-between-the-round interviews when the trainer really doesn't want to talk, can't talk, or kind of, you know, seems bothered when they're uh, talking, that's how you know that that trainer, th their guy isn't quite doing what they want them to do because, you know, they're, they're focused. So there's a lot of ways to tell the story of a fight besides listening to the announcers if, you know, if you're not really sure exactly, you know, what's going on in front of you. One, one last thing on this fight I wanted to get your thoughts on, and we'll move on, but the referee, Gary Rosado, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure how I feel he did in that fight, and I'll tell you why. Um, Beater Beef, to me, uh, was trying his best to prevent Vodzik from holding him. Every time that Vodzik tried to hold him, uh, you know, to, to get a breather or whatever, to tie him up, um, Vodzik would push him away. And it almost seemed like, like Gary Rosado was, um, you know, basically penalizing, at least verbally, um, Beater B for, for doing that. I, he didn't once warn Vodzik for, for holding. What was your thoughts on the job that Rosado did? Uh, I thought it was poor. Um, but on the other hand, I think, you know, any referee can make, can make a bad call. So, you know, so he made that bad call in the first round. Then they went and they reversed it. So I think that maybe Gary Rosado kind of felt under a little pressure himself that he didn't want to make another blown call. You know, there was that one time, I forget what round it was, might have been around the 7th or 8th, uh, remember when uh, Vodzik kind of went down from that punch and it seemed like he should have been counted down and Gary Rosado called it a slip. Yeah. yeah I, you know, that it first... It wasn't a hard knockdown, you know what I mean? But it was, uh, you know, it was a knockdown. And when they showed on the replay, uh, BBF did land a punch. I did like the way um, they, they reversed that quickly. Um, you know, I was also a little surprised that Teddy Atlas didn't get warned for going right up to the referee. I, I don't know how legal that is. I, I know as a corner guy, you're allowed to stay in your corner, but to leave your corner and walk across the ring, um, you know, I, I don't know. But uh, Greg Serb is the uh, uh, commissioner of Pennsylvania. He's been a commissioner for a long, long time. Even when I was uh, promoting, he was still involved. He's a kind of a guy that loves to take control, and I, I give him credit for uh, making such a quick decision and correcting it because I, I, I would like all commissions to do that. What's your thoughts? I loved what they did because it truly was unfair. Not, you know, it would have been unfair to any fighter, and it might have actually taken Bodzik out of his game a little bit early because if you remember, I think it was like uh, maybe the third round where Teddy Atlas was telling Bodzik in the corner, listen, they reversed the knockdown. Um, you know, I don't know if Teddy thought that was in Vazic's head or not. But 
as far as that um, that call being reversed, I really liked it. I didn't. Um, that's the first time, and I remember actually seeing a commission do that. The only problem I see with that bill, if it's in all commissions, is we know that certain states have commissions that really aren't qualified commissions. And when you get people over there that are doing that, they're not really knowing what they're doing. And we can see a blown call where it works out in the opposite way than what it did in, um, you know, for, uh, in this fight early on. So um, I would think that maybe if they had somebody who was designated, you know, the one person designated, if they should happen to need to go to that replay, that that guy is the one who uh, replays it and he makes the call. If that makes any sense. Well, I think I think you know the word undisputable, you know, uh, comes in. You know, if you're watching the replay like uh, Greg Serb was, and you see it clear, it's either yes or no. I mean, the referee, uh, just like in other professional sports, you, you gotta you gotta have enough proof to overturn them. Otherwise, their their judgment sticks because it's been like that forever. So. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you got you got guys involved in the commissions that don't know a left hook from a fish hook, and you know you don't want to put the a fight result in their hands. I understand, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I just think that it's I think it's good for the sport, but I think it's something that needs to be introduced a little bit slow. And I think what really we need to see happen is have it implemented with all um, fouls. What I didn't like was when uh, when the WBC stepped in and and ordered something right away over the commission that i think the commission for most cases uh you know should have they should be the priority with all fights whether it's a title fight or not but uh anyway big fight coming up in a couple of weeks uh canelo alvarez is uh challenging uh sergey kovalev for his uh piece of the uh, world uh light heavyweight championship um the co-main event is an interesting fight dax uh, it puts uh, Ryan Garcia, who ironically was, uh, you know, talking a, a lot of smack against uh, Golden Boy, and then he got that, uh, you know, boatload of cash. And next thing, they're family. We're family. Us and Golden Boy, we're family. You know, but um, he's he's in a fight that he wanted, and I'm not so sure he should want this fight uh, against Romeo Dano. Uh, Dano is uh, uh, nowhere near the same ranking as Ryan Garcia as far as the computers go. But when I look at his resume compared to Ryan Garcia's, um, it's a, this guy's been in tough. What's your thoughts on this fight? Who's going to win? You know, I don't know exactly why Ryan Garcia wants this fight so bad. I'm not really sure what the background between the two of them is. I must have missed that. But, um, you know, Duno, he's definitely a, um, a handful. He's not a guy that you would go out there and say that I, you know, that you would handpick and say that you will want. In terms of the level of competition, um, I don't I think Ryan Garcia has been in a little bit tougher actually, honestly. He's been in with some more experienced guys than uh, Duno has when, when you match him up, when you look at uh, you know their opponent list. Duno, um, he has had a lot of fights against, uh, you know, guys back over in the Philippines, which, you know, at times can equate to what opponent resumes are like over in Thailand or in Mexico when you fight there. So, you know, we really don't know exactly, you know, exactly how good Duno is and exactly what Duno is capable of. Um, you know, the fights that we've seen him here in the United States, he's fought some um, some good journeymen, uh, some good uh, or gatekeepers even, and Ryan Garcia... You know, really, the uh, thing is, is he really tested or has Ryan Garcia been carefully guided? You know, that's um, 
that's the question on that. So I, I think this is a solid matchup, and I think that it's a fight that if Brian Garcia should happen to win and win convincingly, then that's going to more or less legitimize him and put him into like that top ten and and validate him as a uh, uh, contender rather than just a prospect. See, now I look at Dano as a guy. His four best wins. Uh, he knocked out Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez was was sixteen and zero at the time. He also beat Juan Pablo Sanchez, uh, Gilberto Gonzalez, and uh, Juan Antonio Rodriguez. All decent fighters. And you know the only guy that Ryan Garcia beat that I give him credit for. I mean, you could give him, uh, you know, his last fight against Jose Lopez. But Jason Valiz was was really. Um, the toughest opponent that he's faced, and, and he went the distance with him. The one thing about Ryan Garcia that I've always thought was, oh, he's so tall, he's got so much, you know, he's so young, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at these two fighters, he's got a three-inch height advantage over Dano. That's an inch uh, less than Kovalev has over Canelo. You know, uh, so I don't know, you know, and, and Dano is a, is a tough fighter. Yes, he's, he has his uh, one loss, uh, but, you know, that was, uh, uh, you know, in Russia against uh, Alexiev. Uh, you weren't going to win that fight, uh, and, you know, he lost a, a decision. I don't know. I, I think Ryan Garcia, you know, you met him. You got to talk to him. He's very confident. He seems overconfident, and I, I, I would be very careful against Dano. I, I think that... Um, the Filipino fighters, uh, you know, when you see these guys fighting each other in the Philippines, I look at that as similar to some of the, you know, Russian and Ukrainian fighters fighting each other in their home countries. You know, these are tough guys. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not predicting or saying that Ryan Garcia is going to beat Duno. I'm just saying that Ryan Garcia and Duno's resume isn't that spread apart in terms of quality. Um, Ryan Garcia, I do agree that he's... um. Maybe he's a little bit full of himself. I don't know. You know, that happens to be what a lot of people's opinion is. On the other hand, I don't know if Brian Garcia, for some reason, feels that he's not being given the push that he should. You know, he's in a um, a stable. You know, when a guy is young like Ryan Garcia and you're in a stable full of such, you know, big names and superstars. You know, he's only 20 years old. You're in there. You know, you got Canelo. You got Virgil Ortiz Jr. And, you know, you want to be up there and. You want your name mentioned alongside of theirs all the time. Um, so, this, you know, you have to credit Ryan Garcia for wanting such a tough fight. What is um, what we need to look out, Bill, like we have to for all these young fighters when they're in a fight like this, if they should happen to lose, is how Ryan Garcia would bounce back. A uh, young guy who um, isn't ready for something like this, and we've seen this happen throughout history many times, they have a loss when they're so high on themselves. All of a sudden, they're, they're mentally, you know what, they're, they're just ruined. They're just never the same fighter again, and their career just more or less just flutters. That's why they got to stop listening to voices in their ears telling them how great they are, you know. And I, I think, uh, you know, listen, we saw that Ryan Garcia was surrounded by family. You know, he was loving the, the limelight, and he clearly was cocky, you know, but... Uh, We'll see. This is this is really his first big test, and we'll see how he he uh, performs. And speaking of performance, uh, Sergey Kovalev will be taking on Canelo Alvarez. You know, I, I've, I'm looking at this fight, and and I go back and forth all the time. You know, Sal uh, said earlier that he thinks uh, uh, Canelo is going to end this fight. He doesn't think it's going to get into the seventh round. You know, I, I I'm stuck on one thing. You know, I, I look at. Uh, Sergey Kovalev with a four-inch height advantage, a two-inch reach advantage, um, and a guy that most people don't give him credit for his boxing ability. They think of him as a power puncher, 
Uh, everybody knows that his weakness is the body shot. So, you know, naturally it was easy, and myself included, to think, oh, Canelo's going to come in, work the body, and finish Kovalev off. However, if Kovalev can box this guy, if Kovalev can stay on his toes and move around, which we've seen him do, and as long as he's in shape, I think it's going to be a long night for Canelo because I, I, I don't see Canelo just charging in to try to get inside. I see Canelo being frustrated. How do you see this fight going? Um, you said something that more or less has been going on with everybody. It's um, Canelo's going to win. No, no, Kovalev's too big. No, wait, Canelo. Canelo's going to knock him out. He's going to stop him to the body. I don't know why Kovalev is being written off so easily. Um, I don't know if it was the Andre Ward, the second Andre Ward fight in the fashion that he lost, uh, the fact that um, he was knocked out by Lydia Alvarez in, uh, with one punch more or less um, when Kovalev was actually winning that fight. And, you know, if this was five years ago, even um, three years ago, let's say, the idea of Canelo beating Kovalev would have been laughed at by fans. I think Kovalev, you know, he's being um, – it's really overlooked. I don't know, maybe because he's 36. I have no idea why Kovalev just isn't getting his respect. He's a great boxer. Um, he showed that in the Bernard Hopkins fight. At that time, I don't want to hear from anybody how Bernard was an old man. Bernard at that time was universally considered one of the top three fighters pound for pound. He was outboxing Lydia Alvarez. Kovalev is a good boxer, as you stated. The thing is here, can Canelo get in there close? Right. You know, Kovalev with the fight against Yard, he looked a little bit slow, but Anthony Yard is a big, strong, light heavyweight. Canelo is not a big, strong, light heavyweight. So Canelo needs to stay in close. It's easier said than done. I think Buddy McGirt, a smart trainer, is going to have a solid game plan going in. So uh, I don't expect Canelo to go in there and knock out Sergey Kovalev early like a lot of people are predicting. I think it's going to be a good fight. I do believe that um, if Canelo gets hurt, Kovalev is going to go after him and stop him. I think there's a little bit more than money on the line here. I think there's going to be a lot of pride on the line here since Sergey Kovalev is actually being looked at as an opponent. Um, you know, I'm not really overly excited for this fight to be honest with you 76 percent knockout ratio for sergey kovalev you know I, I mean as a light heavyweight he's fought in the light heavyweight division canelo has demonstrated that he does not take the same power with him as he moves up in weight when i look at kovalev i do see the best kovalev between 2013 and 2016 i mean just look at the names he he beat it during that time gabriel campilio uh, cornelius white uh, Nathan Cleverly, Cedric Agnew, B-Hop, like you mentioned, Jean Pascal uh, twice, uh, Isaac Cholimba, uh, you know, all uh, uh, top fighters uh, during that time in the light heavyweight division. Then he had a couple of questionable fights uh, uh, against Andre Ward. He did have some weaker fights until he stepped in with uh, Alvarez. He lost by knockout uh, last year, uh, re, you know, came back and won the fight. Uh, and then that Anthony Yard fight was a tough fight. You're right. Anthony Yard uh, is a strong guy, young fighter, uh, maybe stepped in the ring with Kovalev a little too soon uh, for his part. Uh, but Kovalev is, is not a slouch fighter, and neither is Canelo. I mean, we all have to admit Canelo uh, has fought the toughest opposition uh, going, you know, his only loss coming at the hands of Floyd Mayweather, and he's beat some tough guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as Yard goes, I think you hit it right on, uh, you know, on the, you know it might have been a little too early for Yard, but Kovalev, because Yard is younger and so much stronger, he boxed in that fight. You know, he had the box, and, you know, that's what got him the win. Um, you know, even um, 
the two guys that you had mentioned, um, the little lesser opponents, as you put it, after Andre Ward, you know, Shabransky and McAllen, they're not bad fighters. Uh, a lot of guys coming back off of, coming off of knocking out back-to-back uh, losses would not afford uh, two guys like that. So, you know, Kovalev, I don't know. Um, let me ask you. What I've seen in Kovalev over those years is Kovalev's head was more or less built up into this indestructible monster. After the Andre Ward for the first Andre Ward fight, a lot of people disputed that decision. Uh, even a majority of people say, you know, Kovalev should have won that fight. And then he gets stopped by Andre Ward. I don't know if that might have uh, really uh, just done something to his mental psyche and then, you know, he's just not the same sense because Kovalev, he's never really taken a lot of punishment in the ring, so I don't really see anything where, you know, um, he turned old overnight at 36 years old. He's not really a 36-year-old fighter who's had a lot of abuse inside there. You know, do you think that at any point in time has played on him? I do, and I'll tell you what. And then, not to interrupt, and then, just as he's getting back into the win column, he gets knocked out by Alvarez. Right. I think I think what happened with, with Kovalev, you know, his nickname, the Crusher, you know, he was regarded as a power puncher. People forgot about his boxing ability. And for all intent and purposes, Kovalev was a bully. And similar to, to other bullies in boxing, my man Sonny Liston and even Mike Tyson to a degree. You know, once they suffer that first loss, it changes them. And only the best ones can come back from the mental change that has taken place, that invincibility feeling, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm beatable, and make it worse, you know, if they lose to a lesser uh, fighter or somebody that didn't give that fighter a chance against them, you know? So, of course, I, I think the best movie could have done, although I'm always one of these guys that, that criticized fighters for changing trainers like, uh, like they changed their socks, I think one of the smartest moves he made at this stage of his career, is get Buddy McGirt. Buddy McGirt, I saw an interview, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw an interview with Buddy McGirt recently uh, about this fight. And, you know, he's got this sense of calmness. You know, I've only seen it a couple of times with certain people. And the, the one time that I, it, it sticks out in my head till the day I die is Evander Holyfield's look on his face when he was walking down to fight uh, Mike Tyson. No one gave Holyfield a chance, including myself. And he had this sense of confidence, the look of confidence on his face. That's what I saw in Buddy McGirt uh, as a trainer now, and now he's not the fighter. And you mentioned it earlier. You said, I think that Buddy McGirt's going to devise a good game plan. I think he has. And I think that Kovalev has bought into Buddy McGirt and will finally listen. I think one of his problems was exactly what you said. He was built up as this crusher, this, this, this guy who destroys his opponents, and he started not listening to his trainers. John David Jackson is a great trainer. Uh, he lost Kovalev. He lost him. Kovalev wasn't listening. Blamed his loss on De John David Jackson. You know, I think that the match with him and, uh, and, and Buddy McGirt is a good one. I, I think Canelo's in for the fight of his life. I think it's a great one, too. You know, just... Um... Back to that, um, the Kovalev with the crusher thing. When everybody around you, your promoter, your trainer, everybody in your camp has you built up like that. The fans have you built up like that. You start believing that yourself. And then during the fights, you are expected to go out there and do that continuously. And any time that you don't perform like that, for example, when um, the, the Chalemba fight, you know, how, how much backlash he got for the Chalemba fight after uh, stopping John Pascal. And so now all of a sudden, 
maybe, you know, in the corner, you're just not feeling that dynamic with your trainer anymore because you had those losses and you're saying to yourself, okay, how come this guy isn't doing anything to help revise or really helping me during the fight here? And now I have this extra pressure of I have to go out there and do this on my own because my trainer is just here expecting me to go out there and blow these guys out. Buddy McGirt, like you stated, is a calm guy. Buddy was like that as a fighter. So maybe Kovalev more or less is feeling a little bit more confident with Buddy McGirt in his corner, you know, stating to himself, okay, I got a guy here who's going to tell me all the right things during the fight. And whatever he says, if I just go out there and I do it, I'm going to come out victorious. You know, more or less, he's not feeling like he's alone in that corner anymore. The one thing that that I noticed about Buddy McGirt as a trainer is that, you know, he'll tell his fighters, and his fighters know. You know how sometimes a fighter will say, hey, if you better show me something, otherwise I'm going to stop this fight. The difference with Buddy McGirt is he does. He stops the fights, you know, and there's other trainers that will keep saying that throughout a fight. And meanwhile, their fighter's getting pummeled. Buddy McGirt's not like that. Buddy McGirt no. really cares about his fighters. He doesn't care about win or loss. He cares about his fighter. He wants to win. Uh, but if his fighter's in, in, in danger, he'll stop the fight. And we yeah. saw that. We saw that against Yard. Because, uh, you know, Kovalev was in trouble. Kovalev looked like he wasn't going to make it another round. And, and Buddy McGirt said to him, you, I'm going to stop this fight. And, and Kovalev said, no, 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 give me one more round. And came out a different fighter. Talk about mental motivation. It is mental motivation. And sometimes when a trainer says that to a fighter, take a, a guy like Kovalev in a situation as we were just describing, that more or less is having that guy think to himself, wow, am I really losing that bad? Am I getting beat up that bad? I've tried everything I can. There's nothing I can do rather than getting the advice that they want to hear. Now, Buddy McGirt, you know, he's always been honest. He's stopped fights. We've seen him do that with a lot of his fighters. He cares about his fighters, but he gives direction during the fight. So I just think, as you stated, it's exactly what Kovalev needs at this point in time in his career. He knows he's going to get the right directions, and he knows he's going to get a guy in there who's going to tell him exactly what he needs to do, or he's going to stop that fight if he needs to stop that fight. 100% agree. Dax, great job, and uh, I will look forward to you next time. Keep up the good work on the website, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, but just um, this, the um, going back to the um, Peter Biev and Bozic fight, that is the third IBF and WBC unification fight this year. Listen, we got to have unification fights. And, uh, and but I'm saying no, but 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 look who's doing it though. That's the sad part. You know, we got these uh, Ukrainians and Russians, you know, fighters from outside the United States are willing to fight anybody. They, they, it seems like the U.S. fighters are not. Look, look, at, look at Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo, no disrespect to Dennis Hogan, but that's his fighter. This is a guy that says he's the best in the world. I have the, the belt everybody wants. You got to come and see me. That's what he says. And he, and he comes up with Dennis Hogan? Come on. Come on, it's 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 a joke that these other fighters like Vodzik and Peter B fighting each other, okay? Which everybody knew was at risk and a challenge for both men. And and you know what? Joe Tessitore said it last night, Dax. Both fighters win in this situation. Vodzik is going to have more fans than he started with because he showed that he's talented. He's got guts. He's got a heart. He's going to be back. He'll be a champion again someday. Right. 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 My my point was, I wonder if maybe. These people are starting to wake up with the World Boxing Super Series and the success that they're having with the continuous unification bouts 
during this series and they're seeing the reaction from the fans and now there's pressure on there to say you know what we have to do this too as for charlo uh real quick you know we have to give him some credit because word is that he's actually paying for patrick day's funeral well, I get, uh, that is good news. I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know no, that. No credit has to be given where credit you know credit is deserved. I, I'm I'm not going to deny it. You're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. But uh, and just to comment on the World Boxing Super Series, you're right. The World Boxing Super Series should get credit because they are forcing mo- most of these guys again. Non-American fighters are putting their titles on the line to fight in a tournament. Uh, when was the last time the American American champion does that? It's too risky. That's my point, Dax. That's my point. They're, you know, and, and, and Andre Ward is saying, oh, they, they don't want to risk their legacy. Legacy? How do you create a legacy if you don't fight the fights? I, I, you know, it, it's ridiculous. In, in, in this, Bill, in this era, legacies are created online. Understand, we have two YouTubers that literally sold out an arena. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, I hear you. It's just sad. Dax, we got to take a break, man. Great job. Uh, keep up the good work, brother. All right, enjoy your day. That's Dax Khan. Check him out up on the website. I got to take a break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, uh, Alex Papali join us. Uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. And uh, don't forget to uh, check us out uh, next week or week after, I guess, uh, for our uh, pre-fight discussion uh, on the uh, Canelo Kovalev fight uh, for all intent and purposes we we might even be in Las Vegas we'll see but uh, joining us right now is my man Alex Papali good morning Alex good morning Billy C how are you oh I'm doing well I, I didn't know if you were uh, hanging out with Bucks Bunny or not with all of those carrots you have there but uh, anyway great fight the other night a tour beat uh, knocks out uh, Alexander uh, Vodzik what was your thoughts on that fight I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good fight. We're really 
we're, we're being treated to a really uh, good year, uh, despite um, a lot of tragedy that we've uh, seen um, that does, you know, uh, come along with our sport. Uh, you know, it's just like uh, car accidents a part, are a part of traveling by road. Um, you know, fatalities, are, unfortunately, uh, you know, I've been watching this sport for religiously for 35 years now. And unfortunately, uh, I've seen boxers die and we will see more boxers die. Um, it will happen again, sadly. Um, but, um, you know, it is the nature of the sport. Getting hit in the head is dangerous. But um, this week we were treated to a really good fight. Um, and I do think I, you know, I've been listening to the show and I, I disagree with you guys. Uh, it, just on the scoring sense, I did think Vazdik, I was not scoring it round by round. Um, but I think I was not surprised to think that Vazdik was ahead, considering they did reverse the knockdown call. Um, but I thought that it was one of those fights where you could tell all better be have needed was um, in order to land a couple of times. That's one of those things. I, I tend to like the skill guy um, in a lot of fights. And what what I think Vazdik was doing was the clean, effective punching. Um, even though maybe it wasn't the harder punching, and Betterbiev was landing a few hard punches around, a lot of illegal punches, um, and then, um, but it was one of those things, when you have power like that, when you have skills, you gotta be right all night. But when you've got power, you only gotta be right once. And he was being right just enough a couple of times each round to be breaking Vazdik down. Um, and I think that's what we saw, and, uh, it was a good stoppage, especially considering what's happened uh, recently, because sometimes you see referees are gun shy um, and stop fights too quickly, uh, but that didn't happen. I think it was an appropriate stoppage, uh, even though, you know, better we have never had a moment where he was, where he had Vosdick in real trouble, you know, where he was just uh, hammering him. Um, because I did think that Vazdik was the guy who was a little more skilled and was a little more controlled, was able to get Betterbiev to fight where he wanted. The thing was, uh, so many of Betterbiev's punches just hit so hard. Even when they were grazing shots, they were doing damage. And, uh, you know, eventually that just became too much. You know, there's no question that uh, Vodzik was the skilled, the more skilled fighter boxing-wise. But I disagree with you. Um, Vodzik was was moving around, and to suggest that that Beaterbeev wasn't landing punches, well, then the breakdown process wouldn't have happened if if he was, if he was just grazing him. And as far as illegal punches, you know, what I kept seeing was Vodzik trying to hold on for dear life, trying to tie up Beaterbeev, and uh, Beaterbeev was not, didn't want him to hold. So, so he was immediately trying to break free. Now, sometimes, you know, his punches did have a ten tendency to, to hit, you know, uh, maybe when Rosado was telling him to break up, you know, or, or maybe a little behind the head and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when a fighter's holding you, um, I don't think enough referees prevent the holder and not once did Rosado warn uh, Vodzik for, for excessive holding, and he was. He was being worn down, broken down. And I think that Teddy Atlas, his reactions in the corner, Alex, 
was really telling because although I agree that Vodzik was the experienced fighter in terms of boxing, was moving around, using uh, uh, his footwork, his jab, he wasn't delivering his jab from the right distance. He wasn't able to to keep moving. Beaterbeev was successful in cutting the ring off. I just think that we, what we saw was two different styles, a boxer against a puncher, and in this case, the puncher had enough skill to make sure that you know he was he wasn't uh, chasing him around, that he was able to cut the ring off, and he wore down Vodzik. That that's the way that fight ended. And you're right, it wasn't a brutal knockout. Uh, but Vodzik wasn't going to make it to the final bell. There, he, he didn't have the energy or the, the movement anymore because of those body shots. Those body shots were hurting Vodzik. Yes, and I do I do think that um, uh, I don't mean to say that uh, Betterbeev wasn't landing punches. He certainly was. He just wasn't um, landing like multiple shots in a row uh, combinations. He would land one big shot and then a bunch of cuffing shots, chopping shots, and that's where some of them look, and you're right, he was they weren't blatantly illegal, but th I think this has been something throughout his career. He does throw a lot of shots that are more, you know, on the side of the head, the side of the ear, uh, just behind the ear. Um, you know, some guys, that's their style, you know? They have sort of that winging style. Um, these guys had a history, too, and I think that maybe that's what you saw in Teddy Atlas is that he knew uh, better be have stopped him in the amateurs. Well, the pros are going to favor him even more because now he's got more time to wear you down, and Vazdek, ha Vazdek has more time to keep boxing and keep uh, sort of um, you know st sticking to his style. Uh, and you're right. That was another thing that was definitely an issue with the fight. And I thought this, in a way, this was good for uh, the referee Gabe Rosado because I like when the fighters are allowed to find the distance on their own. Um, and I think these Rosado let them sort of work that out. Uh, it was rough on Vazdek because I think that Betterbiev did land a lot of uh, sort of chopping shots that were uh, a little questionable. But you're right. I mean too much intervention from a referee was would then be unfair because then he's not letting the other guy fight his fight. But he uh, didn't but I think that Beaterbeev was 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 making it so he didn't have to intervene by breaking free and forcing Vodzik to to fight, you know? I I don't like when referees let them hold. They let him hold for a few seconds and then they say, "Hey, let go, you know, break, you know, let you know, stop holding or whatever." Uh, Gary Rosado didn't have to didn't have to do that, but it, to me, it seemed like Vodzik was his favorite, and it seemed to me that the judges uh, were were you know leaning towards Vodzik no matter what. And Beaterbeev had to knock him out, and he did. Well, that's I think that's where we disagree slightly because if you remember, uh, if I could quote the late uh, Harold Letterman, what he always used to say was he would break down for HBO the the categories of judging, clean punching, effective aggressiveness, ring generalship, and defense. But then he would reiterate with a strong emphasis on clean, effective punching. So if those judges had that same thing in mind, even though it was better be doing dam more damage when he landed, I thought, and I didn't look at the punch stat, but I thought it was Vosdick, at least up until maybe the last two rounds, who did seem to be 
landing the more scoring punches. But again, it was a close competitive fight. And when you're up close, maybe it's a different thing. I do agree with you. And Greg Serb even mentioned it, that what Teddy Atlas did at the end of the first round was inappropriate. It was. Uh, I don't even think that... You, listen, I know for a fact that your corner is not supposed to leave that immediate area. And, right. and, and he's lucky that that fight didn't get stopped right then. Right then. Well, and, and when, and when um, Bernardo Osuna spoke to... Uh, no, 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 uh, no. It's Bernardo Osuna. And Bernardo Osuna, when he spoke to uh, Greg Serb in between rounds, he mentioned that, that Serb was not too happy about that. Um, so, but I don't know if anything happened and, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Serb did have words with him afterwards, but that's the thing would you get when Teddy Atlas, I don't know. That's the thing that's a little annoying with him. He's very much aware, or at least it seems he's very much aware the cameras are on him. And, um, I don't know. ESPN encourages that. Uh, I, I, I would hate to think that that had something to do with the judging. I, I, I don't think so. Because I thought the fight was close enough that you could have seen Vosdick ahead, um, but I don't know. It was as, definitely inappropriate that he charged across the ring. As a judge, when you're watching a fight and you're and you're up as close as you are, and you see the look on one fighter's face, like, "Oh no, here comes another shot. Oh, I gotta move. I gotta do that." Um, right. That has to help you when you're scoring close rounds. And that was the look that Vodzik had for most of the fight. Um, that's, a, that's a very good point. You know, I, I mean, he would go back and even, even you know, he did not look comfortable in the ring. He did not look comfortable in the corner. Uh, the fight, it started slipping away from him. It had nothing to do with that first knockdown because, as a matter of fact, to me, it looked like he got a little mad at that when he thought they ruled it as a knockdown. But then from the fourth round on, I thought, I thought Peter Beef took over the fight. From the fourth round on, uh, I saw Vodzik just withering away uh, despite him being uh, the better boxer. One, one last question on the fight. I've been talking about it all day. Uh, what's your thoughts on how uh, Timothy Bradley and Dre, you know Dre, you know, he, he used to be on Dre, but now he's just Dre, um, how they both were given kudos to both these fighters for fighting each other and taking a risk. And it wasn't that I disagree with that, but the part that bothered me was that they said, because most fighters today go, f when they create the, 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 the way, their choice of verbiage, they were like, well, when they create their legacy, they care about making money. And so most don't take risks. So I'm saying to myself, that seems like an oxymoron. How do you not take a risk, but at the same time create a legacy. You know, I, I mean, these guys both their values, yeah. and and we've seen we've seen this we've seen this happen, uh, Alex. Where both fighters they give us a good fight, and both fighters' value goes up. Even the loser. That's the way boxing used to be. That's why losses didn't matter as much as they mean today. What's your thoughts on 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 the fan accepting? Uh, you know, a fighter basically accepting a fighter for taking an easy path to a title. That's what I'm saying. 
I, I yeah, I, I, that's why I'm a little surprised you don't kind of agree with those guys because I I thought I no thought I that agree that they took a risk. What I what I don't like no. is the fact that the fan accepts it. You know that the okay. fan accepts the easy road. That's my point. Right, and I thought that that's what Tim Bradley and and Dre were getting at was that I took it as they were sort of um, without coming out and saying it, they were. Uh, pointing out the sort of Mayweather uh, factor um, that the way you create a legacy without taking risk is social media. Um, that's how you do it. Uh, and you make you convince people that you did take a risk when you didn't um, or you, you took minimal risks. And I think that I mean, I think that's what you see with Tim Bradley and Andre Ward's career. Both of those guys uh, took risks. And I think I think the point they were making is so early in this career, both these guys had less than 20 fights. But they had 9,000 amateur fights. Exactly, exactly. And I think maybe that that's why I think they were willing to do it. They had a history with each other. Uh, and I think that maybe we're, I don't know. I mean, this, of course, is anecdotal. But I think that in my experience of just watching this sport, to me, the guys who retire with more faculties – are the guys that have uh, a brief, the briefer your career is, and maybe the more intense it was, the, the shorter it lasted, the better you end up with your faculties. That tends to make sense. Um, well, the so, better, but you could also say the better defensive fighters end up with more faculties as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But, I, I mean, I think it kind of stands to reason a guy who retires with, 22 fights is going to be in better shape than a guy who retires with 65 fights. Um, but, um, you know, all things being equal. And of course, I guess th that's the thing about this is we know they're not, is that you, there's so much you can't quantify with uh, head trauma. But anyway, because um, I think I, if you, at least to me, one of the things about the Patrick Day knockout is the way his head hit the canvas was just a horrible, horrible thing. It's not just the head punches, but when you have a con concussed body falling back to the ring, they can't protect, uh, you know, the way the neck snaps back and forth and bounces the head around on the canvas. And that is where I think a lot of damage occurs. Uh, but anyway, I dig digress. Uh, I, I did enjoy the Better BF fight, and I do think he's, one of the most dangerous. I, I think he's much more dangerous than Bivol because he's the kind of guy that you, if you're a skill guy, which Bivol is, um, you've got to be right against him all night. Better BF doesn't need to be right but once. But better, and, but but the difference, first of all, I think Bivol's in the wrong weight class. He should be a super middleweight. But but I think Bivol possesses enough power to knock out Beater Beef. I think Beater Beef... His weakness is his chin. And and I, I know that sounds crazy, but Vodzik hurt him. When Vodzik landed flush, and he only landed flush like solid hard punches a couple of times in that fight. And the one time he buckled uh, Beater Beef's uh, legs. I mean, if he followed up with a couple of more shots, maybe we end up with a different result. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but I, I think Bivol uh, could, uh, could hurt uh, Beater Beef because of his skill and the fact that he's got punch and power. But Beater Beef's a monster. 
He's a scary dude, man. He's a scary looking. He's a scary looking guy. He's strong. He fights the way he looks. He looks like he could, you know, fight. Like if you look at him and try to guess the style, chances are you would guess exactly how he fights. Oh, absolutely. He's chest chiseled. He's like the uh, consummate mesomorph build. Uh, he looks like, uh, you know, the the archetype uh for action figures little boy action figures yeah yeah because his body is you know perfectly designed for uh you know putting uh uh guns and weapons on him yeah. <laughs> and armor and stuff <laughs> so we got a big fight coming up in a couple of weeks Saul canelo alvarez is uh attempting to be the fourth uh mexican fighter to obtain four uh different world titles in different weight classes he's taken on WBO light heavyweight champion and computer rankings number one light heavyweight and Sergey Kovalev uh, will be on the uh, zone. So for anybody out there that doesn't have it, it's that just to subscribe for the twenty bucks a month is this fight is worth it. But um, Alex, you know, I, I flip flopped on this fight, and it, it's easy for me to think that Saul Canelo Alvarez is going to win this fight. And as a matter of fact, I don't think Kovalev can win this fight unless he knocks out. Alvarez, uh, because I, I think that all the powers that be, because of the drawing power of Alvarez, it's going to be hard uh, to uh, uh, get a W against him without a knockout. But I think um, Buddy McGirt is, is, is an important uh, figure in this fight. And I think that Kovalev's height and reach advantage is going to really be the difference in this fight. And, of course, his conditioning. Uh, remember, Kovalev uh, has fought recently, so theoretically he should be in, in decent shape for this fight. How do you see it going? Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that uh, I my quick take is uh, Canelo by stoppage. However, I agree with you. I do think that the uh, the Buddy McGirt factor is a, is a definitely a major plus for uh, Kovalev, especially because I mean, up until the yard fight, I would have said that um, Kovalev's best fights were the Hopkins win, the first Ward fight, and the rematch with uh, a later Alvarez, because those were even though he had plenty of other fights where he showed the uh, the true crusher. Uh, those were the fights where he dealt with opponents that gave him more complications. They were uh, strategic, tactician-type opponents, and he did well. Um, and I think the yard fight, of course, he showed that he could come back from near defeat, which he hadn't really showed before. Uh, usually, if you got him in trouble, you stopped him. Uh, at least Ward had and uh, Alvarez had in the first fight. Um so I think that the thing, the thing about, and this was something that Sal was pointing out, a guy like Kovalev, he does seem, or at least to me, seems like he always did well on that bully mentality. Some fighters are just kind of like that. Once they see that they're vulnerable, um, sometimes they're kind of like Humpty Dumpty. It's hard to put them back together again. We've he's shown that. You know, Buddy McGirt has been able to put him back together to some extent. To some extent, however, I do think that, like Sal was pointing out, there is sort of a muscle memory to losses, and Canelo is the kind of guy, especially uh, that sort of grinding, counterpunching, thinking 
brutal body puncher in very similar way that Ward was, that he's going to sort of bring up the PTSD of that loss uh, and those tracks, that track to defeat, will be there in uh, Kovalev's mind. And I don't think it's a matter, it's it's a big uh, matter to get him onto that track, as Sal was pointing out, and get him to, to cave in. Uh, just because of the pressure of the situation and the type of attack that uh, Canelo is going to bring. I think it is really, really smart marketing, uh, I mean, uh, uh, fight-making by, um, matchmaking by Golden Boy, which, you know, we've seen throughout Canelo's career. Well, you know, Dax made a great point about the bully mentality and, and you know, Kovalev's nickname, The Crusher. And, you know, he, like I mentioned earlier, between 2013 and 2016, that was Kovalev's heyday with wins over Campilio and Cornelius White and Cleverly and Cedric Adnew and B-Hop and Jean Pascal and Isaac Chalimba. I mean, these were all the top light heavyweights. And the way he was going through the division, you know, he started believing his own press clippings. He stopped listening to his corner. When he ran into uh, trouble with Ward, the first thing he does is blames his corner. I think mentally he broke down. He came back. He hasn't fought the tougher opposition until he fought Alvarez. And then he brings uh, uh, Buddy McGirt in the corner. The Anthony Yard fight was a tough fight for him. Uh, there's no question about it. And I do believe that Buddy McGirt knows exactly what Canelo is going to try to do. Canelo, like you mentioned, the matchmaking between uh, for Golden Boy with, to make this fight, I think that they're all banking on what what you're saying, um, that, uh, you know, Canelo's going to be able to get in and, and wake up that, that uh, you know, uncomfortable feeling that Kovalev's going to have by being, you know, getting knocked out to the body from Andre Ward, etc. Um, yeah. I, I think that Buddy McGirt is smart enough to prepare for that both physically and mentally, for Kovalev. And, and, and if he's not, then he's here for a payday. You know, that's it. And, and you know, you can't blame him for that either. I mean, if he's clearly diminishing his skills, if his skins, skills are diminishing, um, this is a great opportunity for him. But it's also a great opportunity for him to, to show that he's not done. Uh, he does have a four-inch height advantage and a two-inch uh, two uh, reach advantage, and the guy can box, Alex, and that's going to be the telltale of this fight. If he can keep Canelo at bay and force Canelo to try to look for those openings to get in, round after round will go by. And providing that Kovalev is in shape, he could steal the fight. Unfortunately, I don't think he can win the fight unless he knocks out um, uh, Canelo, even if he wins every round. Yeah, I think that that of course comes into a it comes into uh, you know one of the factors uh, that you've got to wonder about just because of the uh, you know the financial power of uh, a Canelo Alvarez fight um, you know in that uh, in that uh, Las Vegas real estate you know that hit him winning and continuing to win is important um, but. You know, I do. I'd hate to suggest that has any impact on a fight, though, Billy. No, State. no, it's um, it's hearsay. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I do think that. Uh, you're, so you're right. I think that's what makes this a fun matchup. Is that uh, Kovalev is definitely. I think he's he there, there's a he's a little bit of damaged goods, and that's what Golden Boy is hoping. But I think he's definitely a live dog. 
I think uh, he has the perfect uh, corner um, in Buddy McGirt. The brain trust that he has access to uh, is really an advantage uh, for, for what he has to do. Because you're absolutely right. McGirt's the kind of guy that's going, he's not going to be afraid to tell him what to beware of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I do think that that's, um, he, he's already shown that he has been able to rebound on when it mattered in the yard fight. Now, granted, I think Canelo has more tools at his disposal than Anthony Yard. Um, but of course, you know, Yard's a legit light heavyweight. So the physicality, you know, that's going to be a factor. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it. And I think if Canelo does stop Sergey Kovalev, he makes a very strong case for, uh, you know, himself as number one fighter on earth. Yeah. Pound or pound. No, no question about that. Um, but uh, so what's your, as of today, what's your official prediction in the fight? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Canelo by uh, stoppage in, in nine or under. Nine or under? Yeah. You're going to take the under nine? Under nine. You know, he, you know, his knockout, um, you know, ratio, I, you know, you know, the fight I look at, I look at Julio Cesar Chavez, who Canelo fought in 2017, and Chavez has a granite chin, and the fight was at like 165, I think it was, and he couldn't knock out Chavez Jr., and he pummeled, pummeled Chavez all night. Um, I just don't think he possesses the power. I think his shot at stopping Kovalev is the body shot, is the body work, is to get in close. I just can't see Kovalev being that stupid to let him in. If if Canelo can get inside and work the body on Kovalev, then Kovalev's not doing his job. Kovalev has to use his height and reach advantage. End of story. Like I said, it may not help him to win this fight, but uh, but he certainly could could potentially land uh, a shot that could uh, send this fight into a different direction. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing about it is that Kovalev is definitely the kind of guy that um, uh, if he lands clean, he can definitely do some damage to Canelo. So uh, it's going to be a dangerous fight for Se as long as 76.3% knockout uh, ratio for Kovalev, all at light heavyweight. Salud wow. Canelo Alvarez, 63.6%, .6 and that goes from mostly junior middleweight, you know? So... Uh, uh, important stats to uh, to look at, but uh, hey, you know, Billy. See, one thing I did want to mention, since it is October, and this is you know my one of my favorite months because of Halloween, uh, and we've been I've been mentioning these grizzly cuts. Uh, did you get a look at uh, the arterial uh, pumping blood uh, in the the cut of uh, Louis Colazzo? in one of those ESPN shots when he was wincing at the pain, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I saw Tyson that. But Fury, Tyson Fury had nothing on that. <laughs> yeah, but how about Lady Gaga's cut? Did you see that? No. Some fan picked her up and then stumbled, and they both fell off the stage during a live act. And I saw I saw um, some, uh, some photos of Lady Gaga's got a boxer's cut right by her eye, man. It looks like she was uh -huh. in there with Mike Tyson. It's a shame. But uh, anyway, uh -huh. yeah, we've, we've seen some uh, uh, horrific cuts over the last several weeks, that's for sure. But, Alex, I appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to next time, my man. 
All right, Billy C. Take care. All right. That's uh, Alex Papali giving us his uh, thoughts uh, on uh, some of the big fights that we're all talking about, uh, specifically uh, uh, Kovalev uh, Alvarez and, uh, of course, uh, the uh, big light heavyweight fight uh, that we saw uh, the other night, uh, Atur Bidabiv, uh beating uh, Vodzik uh, in uh, what I thought was uh, a thriller uh, for sure. But uh, uh, in any event, joining us right now, we'll get uh, her thoughts uh, on the same fight is boxing's best photographer, the beautiful Emily Harney. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm great. What's your thoughts on the fight from Friday night, uh, Artur Bidabiv stopping Vodzik? How'd you see it? Um, I actually had Vodzik ahead, um, and I didn't really see that coming. I mean, they were both ripping each other, so you know it's not surprising that at some point one of their bodies were going to kind of give out. But um, you know, this is what you want to see at this level. You know, two guys that really are top level fighters going at it and you know I think um Gadget came in as you know the the guy that people were kind of questioning in some cases you know but you you can't really go on what the past is as soon as two guys get in front of each other the fight that they make is going to be what you know the story is and I think these two guys gave not only the fans a great fight but each other a great fight um, I think it sets both of them up for good positioning, but I do think um, Biedermann needs to look at what this fight was for him, why the judges, you know, saw it in the other way. It was close, you know, in, in which the judges saw it. You know, one judge certainly saw it for Biedermann. So you wonder, like, what did he see that these two other judges and that a lot of us weren't seeing you know, to, to say, yeah, he, he's got the fight um, if it had gone to the scorecards, you know. And I don't think by any means did he get lucky because I, I, I think he would have been in good position either way. Um, but both of these guys, you know, the expectation is that they were coming to fight and they gave us that. You know, it's funny. Uh, Alex was just on and, and he felt the same way. He thought that Vodzik was winning. I had a couple of people in the chat room uh, thinking that he was winning. I didn't. I thought that uh, Bidabiv took over the fight after, like, the fourth round. I, I thought it was, was all him. Um, you know, the look on uh, uh, Vodzik's face looked like he was not, you know, he was losing confidence uh, as, as the minutes uh, went down. Uh, Teddy Atlas didn't have confidence in him. Um, so, I, you know, it was a great fight. And, and I think that because people have different opinions, it proves it. One thing you mentioned, their, their history as amateurs – how different is it in the pros when they said, oh, uh, Biedermann uh, uh, won uh, by stoppage because he bloodied Vazic's nose. They stopped it because there was blood in the, in the amateurs. And this fight was a little more than just a little blood. It was, uh, uh, it was definitely a, a beatdown. Well, yeah, I mean, they're always going to try to take something like that and make it into you know, bigger than what it is, you know, because he, he beat him here, you know, so it's, you know, why not use that, that past of like, if people don't really know the whole story, it sounds good, right? Yeah, you know, as long as they didn't say, well, he beat him in checkers once, so he's got the edge, but uh, uh, big, <laughs> big fight coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, Sergey Kovalev going up against Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, we are talking about that today, uh, we won't be doing uh, 
uh, a show for a couple of weeks. Uh, we will be back to do the post fight. We're hoping to be out there actually for the fight. But um, Kovalev uh, against Alvarez, you know, I, I keep flip flopping because when it was first announced, and I think you and I had talked about this, I, I, you know, I immediately said Canelo, you know, oh, Canelo, you know, and now I'm starting to think, you know, Buddy McGirt, I think, makes a big difference. Uh, I feel that. Uh, um, you know, Kovalev, is got, he's got such a height advantage, and, and people forget that he's a good boxer. You know, mm-hmm. really, really, the fight's in his hands. If he could be disciplined and, and box, I don't know if Saul Canelo Alvarez can get in without, like, just being reckless. What, what's your thoughts? How do you see it going? Yeah, you know, I, I just think Kovalev, Kovalev has the upper hand here. He's, he's more comfortable in that weight class. He's more comfortable as a, a fighter in that weight class and Canelo's coming up. So he's taking a risk coming up. Granted, you know, you, you walk around bigger, but you don't necessarily fight guys that are, are bigger in that way or who have, you know, sat at that level of fight contention for so long. So I, I think Kovalev certainly holds the upper hand there. It, Buddy McGirt certainly, you know, is going to give him everything he possibly can. And so that's now up to Kovalev to, to take that and ultimately listen and, you know, utilize that. And I think if he does utilize his reach and his length, he'll be in great shape. Um, and I don't know how else Canelo gets in there unless he, he does go in there and, and get reckless or, you know, fight in the pocket. But you fight in the pocket with somebody like Kovalev, you know, he's got that that reach around you and, you know, able to come up inside you a lot better than other guys that you fought. So I I think it's a a much more dangerous fight than people are kind of giving it credit for. Um, And maybe that's because of Kovalev's past. But again, you have to remember where he sat for so long as this weight class of a fighter and fighting the guys that he's fought. So he definitely has the control. It's just now, can he keep the focus and take advantage of that control? That's the big question. And I think that's a, a, a bigger question based on people who you know really understand these two fighters as fighters and aren't just fans you know um Kovalev had this persona he was a bully he was uh, you know the crusher and he loses <laughs> and you know that whole persona went with him and, and I think he, you know mentally he took a, a severe hit and he did what a lot of fighters do right away. He blames the trainer. I, I always thought John David Jackson was a great trainer. Uh, he gets rid of him. And he ends up with uh, with Buddy McGirt. Buddy McGirt, I, I think, is one of the most underrated trainers in the sport of boxing. He gets mm-hmm. a, a big win against Anthony Yard, who, um, you know, for all intent and purposes, Kovalev was in some trouble. Now he's in the biggest fight of his career. I mean, you can make that statement. It's pretty much the biggest fight of his career. I think Buddy McGirt is the equalizer. Do you believe that Kovalev will follow him? And if so, what kind of game plan can Buddy come up with to give Kovalev confidence that you know he could either protect his body or withstand a body attack from Canelo? Because we all know that that's what Canelo's going to do. Um, well, I, I think he can withstand the body shot from Canelo. I, I, I'm, I'm not really worried about that um and he has to get there too so that's a big thing you know to be able to get there if if um Kovalev can fight you know outside of that pocket then he's Canelo's never going to get there but the only reason I think Kovalev wouldn't listen to McGirt is if his head is elsewhere so 
that's the only time I only feel like I see Kovalev off is when his head is elsewhere. And it's been few and far between, but we've seen it happen. Um, and, you know, I think the switch in trainers, you know, it, maybe it needed to happen because he felt his, uh, John David wasn't seeing what maybe somebody else would. You know, some fighters don't see that necessarily, and, and they make the move more because it's an emotional move. And, I, you know, I don't know really how much of, of what it was, but, you know, when a fighter loses, too, they have to take a look at, like, what wasn't being done for me and and we don't necessarily know what wasn't being done for him or what he felt wasn't being done for him but I think you're right in that Buddy McGirt is a very underrated trainer um he's he's really got you know what it takes I think to bring the best out of a fighter so like I said if Kovalev's head is somewhere else because of something else I think that's where you find him in trouble but otherwise I think you listen to him you know I I think he did a good job at, at points listening to his other team um, but, uh, you know, again, we don't know what else that personal stuff is that goes on and that throws that fighter off. Emily, what's your official prediction in that fight? Oh, I take Kovalev. Really? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes the distance with Kovalev, but um, I think we get a good fight. Canelo's not somebody that's going to back off, and I just don't see Canelo necessarily going down um, unless Kovalev's able to get off some really good shots and just... Canelo finds himself in trouble, but I, I think he's too smart of a fighter for that. So, but he's I think never, goes to, but he's never been hit by a, a guy as strong as Kovalev ever. He hasn't. No, you're right. Absolutely not. He hasn't. Um, so we're going to see how that that fares. But you know, I think he's been hit more um, than maybe Kovalev might be able to get to him if he's smart and fights from the outside too. But. Only time will tell. I think we have a great fight on our hands either way. Do you think Kovalev can win a decision in Las Vegas against Canelo? I do if it's if it's far enough apart. You know, I, um, I think if Kovalev really dominates that ring um, from the distance and off that jab and off that length, then yes. Um, but if he gets in there and mixes it up and there's anything hidden by one judge and the other judge on the other side, then... Yeah, we might have some controversy, but I think if Kovalev fights from the outside, he should be good. Hmm. Make it, it make it clear, make it clear, so they can't miss anything. You know? No, I, listen, I, you know that's always been my my hang up. You know, uh, he always seems to get he, the close fights always go to him, and mm-hmm. he he does. There, nobody's really beaten him so decisively. I mean, the closest one was Triple G, and even that, you can make the argument. There were people that felt that he did not win either fight. I personally thought Triple G won both fights, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Daniel Jacobs fight was was closer than than uh, you would have thought by the, by the scorecards, you know. So, right. um, you know, Kovalev would have to really dominate big time uh, to win a decision. I think that he could win the fight, but he needs to stop um, – Canelo, or at least put him down at least twice, you know, to to win a decision. But uh, but I, I hope uh, I hope you're right. Well, I got another question on the undercard. Ryan Garcia uh, is stepping up, and he's taking on uh, Dano. Um, and this is the fight that he was he's looking for. He wanted this fight. I, I think that Garcia, in my opinion, has only fought one tough fighter. Well, if you give him his last fight. Uh, against Jose Lopez. I mean, that was tough, too. He had a real uh, hard time beating uh, Carlos Morales. A lot of people thought he lost that fight. 
Um, but Jason Valise was the toughest opponent. He steps in with Deneau, who's a pretty tough guy. He's been in at least four um, fights uh, where I think we're, we're against good opposition. How do you see this one going? Uh, I think this is a, a, a big step in a, a interesting direction and maybe a little too soon, too. Um, I, I love Ryan Garcia, and I love his heart and his passion, but uh, sometimes I feel like maybe a fight like that needs to take place in a year because um, I think you have, like, a, a build-up to that, too. Like, there, there are certain fights that do need to be made, but I think there are the in-betweens that might have to be made before this gets made because this is a tough fight for Garcia. Um, and like you said, he's had some tough fights prior to this with guys that aren't as great as Don Donner. And I, I, I think that if this fight um, goes against Garcia, it could hurt him more so. Even if it's a good fight for him, you know, it's a close fight, I, I feel like it could hurt more heartfully than it could you know, in, in terms of um, just record-wise, you know. So this is a, a really a tough test mentally, I think, for him. You know, he's been through a, a, a lot in terms of, um, you know, the, the hoopla of his contract and what have you. So I think he just needs to keep the focus. If he can keep the focus and keep the focus on what is important here and beating his opponent, then that's good. But if he doesn't and he loses that and he kind of gets caught up in maybe the the ambiance of the the matchup we might have some problems there he's a young fighter you know i think this fight you know would would stand much better in a year you know that's what they say too bad youth is wasted on the young and that's what uh ryan garcia is going through now but uh mm. hey keep up the good work uh one last thing i wanted to i want to give you a prediction and uh, I, I know you're going to laugh at me, but the Jets are going to upset New England on Monday night. You heard it here first. You heard <laughs> right, it here. So you heard it here I, first. Listen, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You know, <laughs> go, disagree or agree with you on that because here's the thing: the last couple of games that they've talked about with these guys, oh, these should be easy games, are not easy games. And I think you know, when you're a fighter, you start listening to the media. Oh, it should be an easy fight for you. And you start thinking that, you lose that edge. So I'm hoping these guys aren't listening to you all and myself right now. Um, but um, I, I hope they don't lose to the Jets. But you, I'm not going to make any bets on that I, one. I, I'm hoping the Jets <laughs> turn it around. They, they they had a lot of life behind uh, Sam Darnold last week. And this week they get C.J. Mosley back. But Belichick and Brady. It's a tough condo, uh, combo to beat. So, uh, But I'm, I'm telling you, you watch. The Jets are going to issue their first loss to the season to the Patriots. Jets win Monday night. All right, well, that will be their only win of the season. <laughs> well, they, it would be their second. Right. It would be their second. second. second it would be their second, second sorry, win. Second, second. But, but, that's it, though. But that's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> I, I, if, if, if the Jets can beat New England on Monday night, my season's done, man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, but, the, the, rib, the ribbon from you and Julie Letterman is going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be pulling for it. That's right. Does she still have season tickets? She's there. She sure does. She yeah. She sure does. <laughs> I, I gave I gave mine up. I, I, it was just miserable rides home, man. But uh, any, <laughs> anyway, Emily, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Take it easy. That's Emily Harney, uh, boxing's best photographer. And she doesn't think my Jets are going to upset the uh, Patriots, but uh, I have a strange feeling they will. Um, 
Okay, I got an email. This was from my man, Joel. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., last night there was a bare-knuckle fighting championship. It was a pay-per-view. I was wondering if you guys uh, have watched it, and if so, what do you think? Um, truthfully, I have not watched them. I did watch uh, the main event. I, I saw I did not pay for it. I don't think it's worth it. I do like bare-knuckle boxing, Joel. Um, you know, Gabriel Gonzaga uh, knocked out Bigfoot Silva. Uh, and just it looked like a club. Uh, it looked like a barbaric fight, which is bare knuckle boxing. I like it. I just don't like the fact that we got washed up UFC and boxers in it. I wish that we had, you know, that it would solidify itself uh, as a, a, a true option, whereas we could see some, you know, younger fighters rather than, you know, fighters that have seen better days. Although, uh, uh, Nat, um, uh, what did they call, I can never pronounce his, his last name, but uh, Dappy Dat is his, uh, uh, you know, nickname. He was a successful fighter, uh, as a matter of fact, um, has not fought in uh, a few years, um, but uh, was in that last night and won a five-round uh, bare-knuckle fight against Travis Thompson on this card. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Dappy Dat uh, was a fighter I always liked as a boxer. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I would like to see better matchups, Joel. That's uh, that's my issue. But uh, Sergey Kovalev against uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, make sure you uh, sign up for the zone to get that uh, fight. I think that it's uh, going to be uh, a good one. Uh, it will be streamed. Uh, on DAZN. Uh remember there's 18,000 fans. This fight will sell out. I, I think there's still tickets available. You can buy tickets by visiting our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and clicking on the uh, fight poster, which you can't miss. Uh, we're working on getting out there, uh, and we will be doing our uh, uh, pre-fight show uh, through Press Row, so we'll keep you uh, posted on that or just uh, uh, look for us because uh, if we do make it out, uh, it'll be uh, all day Thursday, I think. Uh, I'll be doing an eight-hour show, and uh, we'll have guests and everything else. So uh, check out the uh, stream uh, on uh, on YouTube. And then uh, when we get back, I will break it down and uh, upload uh, uh, different segments as well as all of our radio uh, affiliates will also get uh, the radio version uh, should we uh, get out there, which uh, I'm working on. It's a little different than last time, but um, Kovalev, Canelo, I, we've been talking about it today. Uh, I do believe that Kovalev has a, a, a very good chance of winning this fight. Uh, I think that the fight is his to lose. I, I know that sounds funny, but I do. I think that Canelo is the big favorite, and he's rightfully so. And I disagree with Emily. I don't think that um, Kovalev can win this fight on a decision and, unless he totally, totally dominates uh, um, Canelo. I, I just can't see him totally, totally dominating Canelo. That, that's the issue I'm, I'm having. I think he could win the fight, but I don't think that he's going to totally dominate. Some interesting facts. Uh, Kovalev is seven years older at 36. He is ranked number one by the computer in the world by the light heavyweight in the light heavyweight division. He's got a four-inch reach. Uh, I'm sorry, four-inch height advantage, two-inch reach advantage. His record is 34 wins and uh, three losses in which he was stopped twice. His three losses, two of them came at the hands of uh, Dre, 
Uh, he was stopped uh, in the second fight by body shot. And is not he was not also knocked out by Elder Alvarez. Uh, he has a draw. That was against Grover Young, a fighter that fought for me uh, at one time. Uh, he had a draw against him eight years ago in 2011. Uh, 76.32% knockout ratio. He's fought 173 rounds uh, as a pro. When you look at Sir, uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, 391 rounds as a professional, 52, uh, 1, and 2. He's uh, only lost to Floyd Mayweather Jr., um, and he's currently the WBC, IBF, and WBA World Middleweight Champion. Uh, he's had uh, his two draws. One was against Triple G, uh, and he had another one in his fifth professional fight uh, when he fought Jorge Juarez in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, the one thing, whether you like Saul Canelo Alvarez or not, you can't deny uh, his pedigree. He's fought uh, all the best fighters, but like Alex alluded to earlier, uh, he's fought him at the best time. My official prediction, I won't give it to you right now. Uh, I am leaning towards Canelo, uh, but I think Kovalev, like Alex said, is an extremely live underdog. I am going to wait and keep my fingers crossed that uh, we will be in Las Vegas and give you my uh, official prediction then. Hey, listen, it was great having you part of the show today. Uh, we are taking uh, the next two weeks off of live shows. All our radio affiliates uh, will have other shows, so make sure you tune in uh, to our show on the radio dial, uh, as well as if you hadn't uh, checked out our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week uh, television channel, now's a good time. Uh, just go to GinecoUSA.com and sign up, uh, or just go to YouTube and uh, play some uh, uh, shows that you haven't seen. But anyway, make sure you tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.